Welcome to the Faith FX Podcast. I'm Bernie Vandewall. I'm Mark Buchanan. And this is where faith and life meet. Bernie, we have a very interesting guest today on our show who's going to be talking about the theology of a library, of a building. Right. And uh, I mean, there's moments in this show that our guest, John Van Sloten, gets um, articulates so beautifully, so poetically, actually, this encounter with something of the character of God through the people who help put this library together and the library itself. Quite overwhelming. Any thoughts that you had when you were listening to? Yeah, I, I, I thought, and we, we talk about this to a degree, that when we hear what John has to say, it not only will change your theology, but will probably change how you do theology, or at least how you think about theology, and probably even talk about, in, in, in effect, how you do life. How you do life. That was the thing I had. How you actually have conversations with people you work with, with people you live beside. Uh, I think it's one of the most winsome ways of actually engaging people in a conversation about God that doesn't make it clunky or mechanical. So I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this show today. Absolutely. So make sure you stick around and tune in and listen to us here on Faith FX. So, uh, I'm looking forward to our date, you and I, coming up, our mandate. Yeah, a mandate. We do have a mandate, don't we? We do. We're and going out that? one evening. We're going to go to, to some um, highbrow? Highbrow. We're going to highbrow entertainment. We're going to sort of. Yeah. So do we? Yeah. We're, we're going to hear uh, the uh, a group at Jack Singer Auditorium recreate, note for note, the... Back to Black album of ACDC. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I'm so it, looking forward it, to it. It's going to be well. a little bit different. Well, it is different. It's a bit odd, maybe, for our listeners to have a couple of theology profs thinking that's a cool thing to do, but it ties into our program today. It does. I mean, we're going to do a little cultural exegesis. First of all, what does that word mean, exegesis? Uh, interpretation, right? Okay, you take good. a look at something, you interpret it, you pull the meaning out of it. What does it mean? I just thought maybe somebody's listening and didn't know what that means. So cultural exegesis, we're going to go to see uh, and to hear ACDC, cultural exegesis. So we're going to go here and do some cultural exegesis around the music of ACDC. Yeah, which I'm looking forward to. I am so dinner. looking forward to it. Now walk you home. Wow, this is yeah, this is uh, be quite a, a mandate. Yeah. So let's, with that, talk about our guest today, John Van Sloten. And John has been a pastor in the Calgary area for a long time, but he's renowned for some of the work he's done around exegeting culture and things like music and popular culture and movies and sports, etc. He's actually received international attention on Globe and Mail and National Post and things like that about the work he's done. But one, of, he's written two books. He'll talk about those books in a moment. But one of the books is The Day Metallica Came to Church. And he exegetes the music of Metallica. 
John, I'm really happy that you can be in the studio today with Bernie and I on Faith Effects, and we're very much looking forward to the conversation. We have a particular something we want to talk about, about some upcoming lectures that you have, but would you start by telling us about the day Metallica came to church? Well, they did, sort of. They came uh, certainly topically in terms of me actually uh, preaching a sermon on the band at the request of a 10-year-old in our church who asked me to preach on his favorite band before I knew that his favorite band was Metallica. Um, but then a, a long story unfolded where uh, somebody new to the church gave me some tickets, uh, called the next day and gave me some tickets to go see a Metallica concert. Oh, wow. um, and so my wife and I went and there was a moment there where uh, during a particularly quiet, uh, lamenting song, 17,000 Calgarians were doing this communal cry about how messed up the world was. And in the moment, I remember, I remember turning around and looking at the uh, all the people in the saddle dome and I thought, this is what communal lament feels like. Mm. And this is what isn't happening in the church. And so I uh, committed at that point to preach on Metallica and uh, Metallica heard about it. Saturday night, I'm watching the hockey game before Sunday, I get a phone call that so-and-so from uh, Warner Music Canada, um, I mean, we'd like to come, are you preaching Metallica tomorrow? I thought they were going to take us down like uh, this was for uh, some copyright thing or, or right, it was a friend sure. joking around. But yeah, I ended up uh, uh, inviting them and they uh, came and, and videoed the sermon for Metallica. Uh, Lars Ulrich, the drummer, asked, he'd heard about it during an interview on CJ with, uh, based on an article that was written in the Calgary Sun. And so he was quite intrigued that there was a Christian church that wasn't going to just condemn the work uh, of Metallica, but instead saw... The band imaging the wrath of God and uh, one member of the band has a real forgiveness story in his life, uh, which I tuned into. And so wrath and how do we get rid of anger? We can't rage it away or drink it away, but we can forgive it away. Yeah. Very, very good. It's, a, it's such a great story. I actually, years ago, uh, somebody in the church I was pastoring, their favorite band was Metallica. And I got interested in the documentary, Some Kind of Monster. Yeah. And it was profound. I had a profound experience yeah. of this transformation of uh, this man of, of who was trying to drink away his pain. Yeah. And, I, the movie wasn't out yet, so I okay. had to go back to primary sources. All right. And, okay. All right. Now... I can sort of see, given my own background, my own interests, how you could how you could exegete songs. But my understanding is that what you, you what you're going to be doing soon in public lecture is, is that you're actually going to you're going to talk about the theology of work through the lens of a library, uh, and, and not even just the work of the library, but the structure of the library itself. So, I mean, we're moving it, uh, really from what some people would think would be uh, one mountaintop across a huge valley to another, from a Metallica concert to a library. Not many people would put those two things together, but there's a connection. Yeah, there is a connection. If you hold a, a theology, a worldview, a revelation that says that God uh, created all things and that uh, the things God made reflect something about the nature of God, wherever they're found in creation, then uh, there's mountain to mountain to mountain to move um, across. And that's sort of been my story for the last 10 years. Um, and now it's 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 focusing on a library. I mean, this beautiful, arguably the most beautiful new building in our city. Right, the um, new public library. The new public library downtown. Um, so everyone's talking about it. So it is a text du jour. Um, ah. Everybody is it knows about this. And um, 
you know, for the last 10 years, I've been preaching on all these other other cultural texts. Um, but this one has come up and uh, I've stepped away from the formal pastorate to make room to get this idea of God speaking and revealing himself through creation out there. And I just thought this is a this is a timely uh, choice. And so, yeah, the library came up and um and so I phoned the library. I heard they had really cheap rooms. And so we're now renting the, the, May, the big performance hall for, for next to nothing. And uh, we're hoping that some people come out to this 336-seat uh, auditorium okay. to hear a talk. So, yeah, the idea that a library, um, through the work of a whole bunch of Calgarians, mm-hmm. from civic leaders, to, well, taxpayers before that, to civic leaders, to planners, to architects, to engineers, to contractors, to trades, um, through all all of that work collectively come together, all imaging God collectively and individually. There is something about the nature of the maker of all human beings that is reflected in in this beautiful building. So we're going to sit in the text and the mm. hope is that I'll be able to talk about the interview I had with the structural engineer last week about how the entire auditorium is isolated acoustically and vibration-wise from the train that runs right through the middle of the sure. building, 10 meters away. And this auditorium, you don't hear a thing. And so they put the whole thing on rubber pucks and all kinds of great design elements. Um, but as he spoke to me about it, and I was just reviewing the interview this morning, um, the idea, it struck me, of, 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 of an engineer having the capacity to put two seemingly disparate things side by side and enable them to coexist and flourish fully as a train and as a performance hall and make it all fit together. Um, How does that not image something of the nature of God, a God who created the entire cosmos where filled with disparate things that all then fit together? And so as this engineer was describing it to me, uh, what he did for that performance hall, uh, there was a point where I said, uh, and he's agnostic, maybe atheistic. Um, I said, when I hear that you do that, it feels godlike to me. It seems like God in these ways. And he uh, smiled and says, it kind of does, doesn't it? So, so I met with him. I met with a librarian. Uh, the head of the uh, Calgary Library Board uh, interviewed her and some other things came up in terms of her image bearing as a community leader, um, a librarian who wants to bring light into people's lives, everybody's life, d- democratically, the only really democratic institution now in, in our culture, libraries. And all she wants is for people to flourish and become more themselves as a result of an interaction with this community called the library. Now, if that doesn't rhyme with or echo what churches are and what the God uh, that church who churches follow, who God is, I don't know what is. And so, again, I, I told her um, she's a kind of in-between faith-wise person um, that she images God in that passion for, for everybody to equally have access to knowledge. This is probably a good time to mention that these lectures that you're going to be doing, they're coming up very quickly. They will have the first on March 11th. March 11th, 7 o'clock downtown. Right, at the library. Yeah. And then March 18th, same place, same time, 7 o'clock. And then the third one is on a, is it a Saturday The following Saturday, yeah. And that's going to be in a different location. Yeah, at Commons Church uh, in Kensington. You can uh, find that online. But there's three separate 
three separate talks. They all, they hang on their own, but they all, it's a series of talks that. So good. I, I want, I want to push a little or, or to dig a little deeper into the, the strategy or method you use. You, we talked earlier about exegeting. So trying to interpret and understand, um, I understand that when it comes to text as actually written words on a page, especially if it's a Bible verse, and I'm trying to understand that in terms of you know, figuring that out, what it meant, what it means, how do I communicate that? How do you exegete a library? Like, what mm -hmm. is the actual method for that? I'm thinking about the entrance, the swooping western red cedar entrance detail at this gorgeous new library. Like, like what is a strategy or method you, you do to exegete that? Yeah. Um, it's going to sound a little mystical, uh, but the first the step is always um, a genuine interest in in the the nature of the thing um, and and theologically having a worldview that says that this product of human culture um, come together through a whole bunch of human beings who image God being what it is uh, says something so and and then um, googling until you find out who the subcontractor is structure craft and then phoning their offices in Abbotsford and asking for the name of the engineer who was part of this project and was you know built this beautiful uh, undulating um, soffit um, and then getting into a conversation with him and uh, and that interest um, soon for me turns into a, a kind of love for and respect um, and a, an, an honoring uh, attentive disposition uh, before um, all that is right and true and beautiful and good in his work. And as I do that, um, uh, it's as though the spirit um, kind of opens your eyes a little to all of these reflections of the nature of God in the loving process. There's a Latin phrase, uh, ubi amor, ibi oculus, where there is love, there is seeing. And um, at, at its core, it's about loving the thing enough to see, um, which I think is very much a godlike way to perceive the world, for God loves this world, right? And then, uh, you know, having the, the scriptures in mind and, you know, this is not a, an exegesis of general revelation apart from a knowledge of Christ uh, through the Bible. Um, but you have that in mind and you see traits that you know of God from here uh, reflected there. Um, so in the case of this particular uh, soffit, um, the guy was talking about how hard it was for their, and the challenge was to get that shape. Uh, it's meant to image uh, a Chinook arch. And so uh, they, he went through all the details of how they parametrically model these things in 3D, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the, the best part of that project where that company was being itself and, and they loved their work and they were lost in the flow was when they finally found the shape. Mm -hmm. And they knew how to hang it there. And um, I thought about God's joy in finding the shape of the universe. <laughs> okay, we got mm -hmm. it. That's the, 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 the Godhead, all three of them working it out. And, um, you know, the father, the wellspring, Calvin says, of, of, of creation, Jesus, the wisdom through which creation comes to be, the Holy Spirit, the energizing force um, that breathes life into all things. Um, and so that's running through my head. Uh, all the, and that's a theological idea based on a biblical whole, whole series of uh, Bible passages. And it's all kind of swimming in my mind and dancing and 
And like when you write a good sermon and something grabs you and you, you kind of go with it and how, this is how the text is speaking to you. Um, that's been my experience. And so, so I've interviewed those few uh, people already regarding the library. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't uh, engage every worker there. But were I to, I'm, I'm convinced there would be reflections and mystical, iconic, parable-like moments where they become a text, known through a text. Uh, you clearly have a really good handle on this because every question I thought I was going to ask you, you answered before you're done. I'm a mind reader. Which makes you either a really good or a really bad interview. I can't decide which it is. But you, you sort of touched on this, and I was wondering if you could go into it a little bit more. So, without spilling the whole thing, what's your hope? If somebody were to attend these lectures, one or all three, and they walk out, how would you like them to be shaped? Uh, how, what would you like them to leave thinking about or, or wondering about? I, I think at, at the core, I would hope that um, somebody would walk away with a, a, a realization of a God who is more present in their life than they know. Even in a library, <laughs> through all of these workers come together and their work as a citizen in Calgary come together. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe just one of the points that we'll talk about at one of these talks will stick. So the piece of property was a leftover piece of property after they ran in the new LRT line um, when it was first installed. The, the train track cut the site in half. It's a big, long, uh, funny shaped piece of property. It, it was kind of useless. And here they hire an architect who takes uh, a very unusable piece of property and transforms it into the most beautiful building in our city, a property that used to divide the East Village from downtown, now is a bridge between two communities, a, com a property that now brings people together in our city more, brings them together to learn, uh, a property that was uh, discarded and not useful, made new, that the grace and the culturally powerful truth of a God who works to make cities new, that, that, that it would, it would overwhelm them, that they'd, they'd, they'd have a moment of holy silence or they'd cry a tear. They'd, they'd not be able to walk by that library for the rest of their years in Calgary and not be reminded of God's grace in, in a building. Um, it would be uh, one of a series of parables of God moving in a city that would start to populate the gallery of their minds. And so something like that, other okay. uh, small stuff. Yeah, just a small impact okay. like that. John, I'm, I'm, uh, one of the things that's beautiful about a library, and I've, I've heard it very much about this new library, is it truly is public space. So many of the, the, the towers downtown, you, you couldn't just go and loiter. Yeah, in those places, uh, at, after ten or fifteen minutes, a security person would ask you what you want. Yeah, you can loiter at a. Yeah. you just go spend the entire day in the stacks reading. Yeah, um, any comments about that? That sort of that wide open welcome of anyone from all all social strata into this space. Yeah, so Isaiah's image and the Book of Revelation's image of heaven, right? Uh, They'll all know God. We'll all know his name and we'll know him. I trust in all things. There won't be a temple there because God will be there and we'll be his people and he'll be our God. And in this kind of a city, a city where we're going to work, I presume. And and so 
no longer a garden, a built space. Right, right. But a public space, right? Where we're all just kind of doing our thing and, and we can linger. We can sit in that green space park, right? Um, you feel welcome. Yeah. And, and feel right, equal. Like you walk in that library and really people from around the world who now live in Calgary, people of every socioeconomic place all come together sitting side by side on their computers and in the, by Luke's in the in the lounge areas it's it is the most equalitarian heaven on earth every tongue and tribe people who people who are leaders in the community people who are lost in the community kind of place so it's a, it is a bit of heaven on earth and you have described already John several aha moments as you were trying to understand, trying to make sense, interviewing people, exegeting this library, speaking with the workers at, um, all through the process who makes this thing possible. Say a bit more about, because I, I, that's part of the, the power of, of those of us who preach sermons and we're working with a text in Isaiah or a text in John and you're trying to figure something out and then suddenly it's like, oh my goodness, and you yeah. you know jump around the house and yeah. go tell your spouse and want to phone your dad and all of this. Yeah. What were some of those aha moments? You you know, we touched on that, yeah. but could, could say a bit more. Another, um, the structural engineer again, um, talking about like when you when you're exegeting uh, the end, uh, text of an engineer, uh, he's he's not a he's not a industrial engineer. He's not an engineer from a, another discipline. He's a structural engineer. And so I wanted to find out how he uniquely, as a structural engineer, uh, images um, a working God. And so as he started to talk about um, what he was most passionate about, it's stuff that we've you will, you'll never notice. I'll never notice the way they encapsulated the train line through the space and uh, the decisions, the good design decisions that he made there that ended up uh, changing the whole facade of the building and lowering it a little bit and saving all kinds of money, millions of dollars. And the 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 concrete piles that go down a hundred feet, thirty thirty three meters, five foot diameter piles to make the foundation solid enough because the land's so bad. But they have a whole bunch of them there, and the building is solid and well-founded and the huge trusses that uh, form two parts of the exterior of the building uh, that nobody knows are there if, unless you walk inside and you see these angled things um, that enable the big uh, agora-like uh, columnless less space in the middle. Anyway, he's describing all of this stuff and I'm realizing that everything that he does is hidden. All of his work and all of his passion and his 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 what he poured into this building is foundational, crucial for our safety, um, but hidden. And it, I, I said to him, I said, it, uh, uh, this is true of God in our world, right? There is a hiddenness and a mystery and, a, and an unacknowledged uh, uh, part of uh, what God has made um, that I think we're meant to see, but we don't see. And, and, and so then I said, um, I think there's a humility to structural engineers that maybe is a pointer to the heart of God, like so willing to do this and 
to know it's there. He talks about walking through the building and uh, I ask him, what's it feel like? And he says, oh, I just know, I just know the train's running right underneath <laughs> us and I know the structural foam is there and I know all of this stuff. And I love sharing that with people if they ask, but there's just something about knowing all that went into it, what the story really is. And as he says that, I'm thinking, Lord, you know everything that went into it and what the story is. And so he was helping me understand the heart of God in those ways. And and it was, you know, for me, um, like I wasn't even doing it for the talk at that point. It was uh, yeah, I'm having a, a revelation a of, as you're talking. It was a actually, moment of devotion. Yeah, yeah, it was clearly. Yeah, it was beautiful. And yeah. and he, you know, I'm doing it in front of him. Uh, some of the stuff, and I think he's kind of picking that up, right? Um, I guess I sometimes wonder if naming where God is already at work in people's lives in all of these different ways is a beautiful and a round way of witnessing and and um, calling into being who a person is and kind of being God's pastor, right? Uh, God's disciple in, in that naming process. You hinted at this little bit earlier uh, in our our time together, but I'd like you to focus in on this a little bit more. And this is sort of the question that I'm known for. Great idea, wonderful thought, very inspiring. But John, where do you get this idea from Scripture? Where does how does Scripture lead you to this enterprise and these conclusions? Um, a whole bunch of ways. Um, um, on the surface, uh, I mean, basically, the Scripture is general revelation recorded, codified, um, and now come to us in a. Uh, okay, a and by general book. revelation, for those who oh, are God speaks through uh, nature, um, celebrated in Psalm nineteen, one hundred and four, uh, throughout the Scriptures, God uh, reveals Himself through history, uh, the the salvation history of the Israelites, uh, history of the New Testament, the life of Paul. Um, God uh, speaks through parables. <laughs> God speaks through the parable of a shrewd manager. I mean, talk right. about a lead-in yep. into exegeting work as a vocational text. So so that's part of it. Part of it is uh, a Christology that has come alive in me, John 1, 1 to 3, about everything being made through Christ, nothing that has been made. Mm -hmm. uh, hasn't been made through yep. him. Colossians 1, everything now held together in Christ um, from atom to archangel. Yeah, at this moment, the risen Jesus seated beside the Father, everything now holding together in him. Uh, if, uh, Hebrews 1, 2, the universe being made through Christ. Uh, pneumatology, uh, a view of the Holy Spirit, uh, a real big view of the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, uh, a doctrine of revelation that holds that God speaks through creation. Um, a whole big, long, reformed theological history that I've discovered in retrospect, because I preached Metallica not knowing some of this stuff, and I didn't go to Calvin College, so I didn't know this stuff. <laughs> so I've been scrambling to pick up Calvin and Bavink and Kuiper. Kuipers, I, there isn't a thing that a exists. Good Dutch boy like you didn't I know Kuiper? I know. I know. I went there I went there for cover and found Kuiper. Um but Kuiper's idea of there isn't a thing in the cosmos that wasn't a thought in the mind of God before it ever came to be. I mean, that that one truth alone, which I believe to be true. Um, that he screams out, that the spirit screams out that the whole cosmos yeah. is mine. Right. Kuiper again. Go. So here's a, a follow up question. If we have a moment. I kind of think I know what your answer will be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there then anything that you can't apply this method to? Is there anything you can't 
exegete? And if so, what is it? And if not, why not? Yeah, is there something God doesn't love? Is there something God doesn't, um, for, is there something that doesn't belong to God? Is there something that God didn't have plans for before the fall to be? Um, is there something that, in, is, there, is there a depth at which incarnation stops uh, because you don't want to go that far into the weeds? Um, if, if Christ's example is our example, then you go to the point where you get accused of hanging around with all the wrong people and saying all the wrong things. Um, so Metallica... <laughs> people say that about Mark Buchanan and I. Uh, totally. I, I hang out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> but with Metallica, there was a lot of heat that happened. And, you know, people phoned our church and left messages and cursed us and quoted Old Testament prophets. One person left a, a voicemail, which ended with them blowing a shofar into our answering machine. Yes, this happens. So uh, there, you, there's a wisdom uh, to your question. There's a wisdom in terms of what you choose, to, where you choose to go, how deep you choose to go, and the audience that you're speaking to. Sure. Um, but my experience is that I have said, even there, a hundred times over the last 20 years, even there, Lord. Right. Sure. Okay. So... Public lectures, right? Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, they're free, right? Yes, there is. And I can't tell you about the fact that there's been a, a big sponsor who's bought free copies of every job of parable, the last book I wrote, um, that we might be giving away for free to everybody there. I can't let you know about that. Now, is this something we can just show up to or is it something we need to register, register for? Um, go to commons.church and uh, follow the links for their events and uh, you'll find the faith and work event or you can call Commons Church and they'll direct you. Um, and yeah, you should be able to register, get a ticket, but they're free tickets and uh, and free gifts. So, John, tell us again the dates and the times. March eleventh, seven o'clock. March eighteenth, seven o'clock. Those and are both at the library. Those are both at the library, and then the third one, which switches into a bit more of a workshop. Okay, now you like the all of them are about not just these workers that we've been talking about uh, through. A structural engineer. We're going to talk about your job, serving or whatever you do as a as a doctor, as a as a caregiver. Um, and then on the twenty third at Commons Church at nine o'clock. It's a Saturday uh, for three hours, and that'll be a workshop, hands on your job thing. But all of this is if if people could walk away knowing God more through the unique way that they image God through their work, that that would be the most beautiful. Sounds like a great mandate for you and I again. You know, I was just thinking that this would be a great mandate. I have thoroughly enjoyed John's books. Uh, Every Job a Parable really is uh, this theology that we've just been talking about. And it's been very helpful for me in thinking about the work I do as Imaging God, but also in the conversations. John, it's been such a pleasure to have you come and join us in the studio today. We're looking forward to these public lectures. And uh, I really hope our listeners come out in force. Thanks, Mark. And you too, Bernie. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for joining us on Faith Effects. <laughs>